three, two, Prepare one. For lights. Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holocron Hoopla. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of unlimited power. We're back again this week with another brand new episode that we found saved deep within the depths of one of those holocrons that old Luthen's got stored up in his little fake museum situation. <laughs> and we're here to share, share it with you today. My name's Jamie Clare, and I'm joined, as always... By our Jedi historian, Andy Smith. Darth Smithy is here, connoisseur of many nerdy things, especially what we all love, Star Wars, the video games, the books, the, the movies, animated live action TV. Excited to talk about uh, this few episode arc here uh, about Narkina 5. And we have everybody's favorite droid, Chris Pio. c 3 Pio, human-cyborg relations here. What's up, guys? Here to talk about Andor Arc 3. Things are coming together, and the people are saying it. Andor might be the best Star Wars show. Here's the kicker. It's me. I'm people. People are saying Whoa, it. Who knows? Hey, they signed me up Whoa, as people also. Wow. I am Whoa. also one of those people. <laughs> Can I got a people? Who else might be one of those people is the amateur bounty hunter who was unfortunately captured and sent to Narkina 5 himself, <laughs> Jake Laxer. It's electric. Woogie, 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 woogie. <laughs> yeah, no, the, all the floors. <laughs> Make sure you wow. stay off those suckers. Floors are hot. Yeah, how we doing, people? Jake Laxer. Oh, they are hot. Or are they cold? Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and movies, ready to dive into Narkina 5. Seven is quite the number here during these episodes, isn't it, there, fellas? You bet. What? What are you talking about? Oh, you guys didn't pick up on it? Like no, okay. the significance oh, of the number seven. Oh man! Oh, let's yeah. hear it, Jake. It's all it's all throughout. Well, Narkina I'm sure 5. you're going to tell Ooh. us later oh, on. Okay. okay, all right. But before Jake tells us, let's <laughs> leave that as just a quick little teaser, everybody, for the next couple minutes. Think about what could the number seven mean? Because real quick, we just want to thank you all for joining us this week for the Holocron Hoopla podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens, tunes in. Um, Chris. We've got some social media out there. Where can they find us? Yep, yep. You've got social media to follow. Go ahead and look for our main channel, Hoopla Podcasts, on Twitter and Instagram. You're looking for the Hoopla Podcast Network. The at is just at Hoopla Podcasts. Find us there. Make sure to collaborate, share. We love to engage across all fandoms and certainly want to hear from you guys. If you're talking Andor, we want to hear you talk on Holocron Hoopla. That's at H-O-L-O-C-R-O-N Hoopla on both Twitter and Instagram. Let us know your hot takes and theories, just as you would let us know uh, what you think about ours coming here in this uh, Arc 3. So definitely engage with us. If you are so inclined, there's new merch being added to our store. You can find that at hooplapodcastnetwork.square.site forward slash shop so that's going to be where you'll find that new merch uh we've got plenty of hobbit hoopla gear up there but as we branch out into the other elements of our network and these other fandoms you're gonna see some new merch coming online soon so be sure to check it out holiday season's coming up so you definitely want to get those presents in early yes 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 thank you chris check out all that wonderful social media all the wonderful merch 
And yeah, we, we thank everybody who's given us some wonderful five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so far. If you guys like the show, go ahead, throw a rating at us, leave a comment. That really helps us kind of spread the word, get this out to as many people as possible. Any of your friends are out here watching Lord of the Rings, out here watching Star Wars stuff, send them our way. See if they enjoy our hoopla. Hoopla! And without any further ado, we got to figure out what's going on with this number seven. Jake, what are you talking about? Yeah, so uh, we'll dive into it. Narkina 5. First off, the first uh, relative thing to the number seven is we see the prison is the shape of a heptagon. There are seven sides to this prison. Uh, Uh, Then we enter into Narkina 5, and there are seven floors, of which there are seven uh, prison groups. Within the seven prison groups, there are seven teams. And specifically, Andor himself, or Keef. Keef. This arc is now named Keef. Which, to our followers out in Colorado, I'm sure is slightly enjoyable, but we have them in room 5-2-D, which again adds up to 7, and the team that got fried was on level 2, group 5. Again, the number 7. Better yet, the word Narkina, 7 letters, and 5 representing the group that he is a part of. A lot of sevens. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? Get at us on the Twitters. Is it all connected? Is it all intentional? Or is Jake an insane conspiracy theorist? What do the numbers mean, (laughs) Jason? Just putting numbers together. (laughs) Jake, that is... And this arc starts at number seven. seven. Wow. Okay. You're onto something there, Jake. I really enjoyed you picking that up. I will say the only comment I have is that while the heptagon shape of the prison does fall within your seven... It looks just like the symbol of the Empire. Empire. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves Mm. because we get that overview shot later on in the arc. But yeah, I'm glad you brought up the sevens because talking about that Empire symbol reveal was just worthy enough on its own. Yeah, you're onto something there. I like where you're going. Yeah, I didn't even Uh, realize it was a heptagon. I thought it was a hexagon this whole time. Am I going crazy? You thought wrong. Do I not know how to count? one side less. Wow. Well, wait a second. Oh, oh, do you mean the Empire symbol? No, I thought the prison, like when we see it from above. Okay. Well, spoilers for anybody who didn't watch episode nine <laughs> or episode 10, when they escape out of the prison and we see that aerial shot from above. I guess it's a heptagon. Yes. I just thought it was a hexagon because, hey, I don't know nope. how to watch TV as we found out in the last episode. And I don't know how to count as we found out in this episode. I can't wait to see what we find out about you in the next episode. Everybody tune in. <laughs> So, Jamie, we do need to make sure that we tell the group here, this is a spoilery episode for episode seven, which is announcement, and also the Narkina 5 arc as well. So we're going to be going through episode seven through 10 uh, in this episode here. Yes. Yeah. Great to point out. We're doing episode seven, which I think they kind of did as just a standalone, Mm -hmm. and then the whole Narkina 5 arc. Let's jump in real quick. And before we get to Narkina... Let's talk about episode seven. Sure. With Andor returning to Ferrix. Now that he's got this money from his successful heist, he goes back to his hometown, home planet of Ferrix to find Marva to tell her that they can escape. But Marva's not into it. Marva decides that she wants to stay and join the rebellion and do what she can on Ferrix. I mean, we've seen so much great acting in this show, but that scene between Andor and Marva when she tells him that she's not coming with him was... A devastatingly beautiful scene. You know, what was very mm-hmm. interesting about that scene, Jamie, was Marva talks about her heroes from Aldani. 
And what she doesn't realize is Cass is her hero and is the one that, you know, will eventually become the rebellion here, uh, you know, leader that we all know from Rogue One. Um, and it's so sad to see them part ways because you don't know what's going to happen between those two mm. characters. She's clearly on the side of the rebellion at this point. She's going to fight the Empire on the ground with the daughters of Ferrix uh, that she talks about. And she says, you know, you're you'll go a different way and that's OK, but I'm staying here. He is her hero in the end and he doesn't tell her. And I really during that scene, I was hoping I said, just just mention it. Uh, but he doesn't. Yeah, I really did think that he was going to admit to her. You know, I thought as secret as he had to keep the fact that he was part of that Eldani mission, I thought that he would have confided in in Marva. And I think this was one of the times that he really gets to see how invested Marva is in the rebellion. She and Clem, obviously, after adopting Cassian, were, you know, doing some rebel things along the way. But I don't think he really understood the extent to which she was for the rebellion until this scene happens. It's a great little parallel for the Andors here as a family. I mean, they're tied together by this fate that, that happened long, long time ago, but they've branched off in such different ways. Cassian's just running from his problems and trying to get away and Oh, and he says, oh, we got this money. We can just go away now. But Marva comes to realize that you can't just run. And, and all she did when she was a scavenger, I guess we never learned her official purpose for why she was even looking for those power cores or whatever in that flashback episode. But she was running too. And now she's realized the only way to win is to stay and fight. So it's, it's a really cool parallel to see that Andor will eventually learn that lesson that Marva's trying to teach and Fiona Shaw just gives an excellent performance, even while it is small, she gives an excellent performance here and, and it really means something to the show because, again, it's that parallel between running from your problems and staying your ground and, and fighting. You mentioned, Chris, that, you know, why she used to collect those power, you know, steal those imperial resources or units. <laughs> we should learn what those are. We're, we're, we're podcasters. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, they we probably should. Cores, whatever that is. Imperial MacGuffins. Imperial MacGuffins. Yes, Republic MacGuffins. Different. Oh, yes, Republic MacGuffins. They're separatists. Regardless, the point is, is, you know, she was a scavenger at the time. And now we see Andor sort of doing the same thing. And he lives her legacy, yeah. right? And so, again, it sort of just adds to the dramatic weight of what Andy was talking about before. You know, he's her hero, right? One interesting thing I, I she mentions during the this kind of, not conf confrontation, I guess, but, you know, the conversation between the two is really when she talks about Rick's Road and we find out what happened to Clem. Yeah, And we knew the name Clem because that was uh, Andor's kind of uh, pseudonym when he's, you know, his, his background. I'm, I'm Clem. And Clem was the father that we met in, in the first arc there, was with her on, on the Republic ship. And you talk and you see kind of this flashback sequence where he's holding his people back and they start throwing rocks at the stormtroopers. And then flash forward, he's then hanging in the square on Rick's Road. And she said, I can't even go to Rick's Road because I can't take the pain that I see mm -hmm. when I went uh, with Clem. And you can just see that this person 
she's lost everything and she's gonna fight she's gonna she's stay tired on Varric. she's not gonna run i think she mentions the line my fight yeah. is here yeah she does and after the aldani news breaks and she hears about it then she says that she walked through that square for the first time in 15 years mm. because she knows that the fight that she wants to happen is With going a smile on, on her and face yeah it's so yes. rough that her hero is cassian yeah like cassian is doing exactly what she wants to be happening in the universe in the galaxy and he's doing that exactly what she wants but she just doesn't know about it right can you just imagine how proud she would be of cassian if she knew where he ended up that's a dramatic irony right there mm. very similar to how diego luna has kind of portrayed this character through all the the episodes and then back into rogue one he, he kind of stands back and he says no it was just a robbery but he knows it wasn't just a robbery he's staying right. he's stating that because he wants to keep running but eventually he's going to move beyond that and he's going to know that, you know, what he needs to do to be a part of the rebellion. Jamie, that's a good point because right. the knife gets twisted only deeper when we get into the prison scenes and he realizes that security has been doubled down on. Everything has been luck truly, literally doubled uh, a lot of people's time remaining in the prisons. And mm. he comes to realize, oh, yeah. We did that. That is a direct consequence of what we did and, and during the heist. So he has to live with not only being this hidden hero for Marva, who he cannot reveal for safety reasons, but at the same time, on the other side, he understands that there were very real consequences to the job that he was a part of. So it's a double, it's not a double-edged sword, it's a, it's a double knife twist. It's like you have two knives in your back and you can't get either of them out. <laughs> It's it's brutal. Oh, it's it's man. a it's a tragic thing for. <laughs> you hate to see the first <laughs> knife, but the second oh, knife. Man. Jesus, give give it's him a just, break. Isn't that a testament, though, Chris, to oh, the yeah. wonderful writing by yes. Tony Gilroy? Like this this writing, and we say this every single episode, but the writing of this show is on the a next level beyond all the other shows that mm -hmm. are out there, in my opinion, right now. Absolutely. It's like, so good. Can I put out a hot take here real quick? Give him his music. Oh, let's hear it. Ooh, hot take, let's hot take. It. Let's get some preemptive hot take music because I think Star Wars is better without Jedi. Oh, that is a hot take. Do you mean in totality as a full statement beginning, middle, and end right there? Or are you I, talking like... I say this mostly because Rogue One is probably the best movie. Uh, Andor is the best show. Okay. I, that's, that's, that's mainly it. I, I see where you're <laughs> that's going. Fair. That's a fair point. I see your perspective in the Disney era... I think that's a valid argument for Disney content yeah. specifically. Yeah. If we broaden the question or we broaden the the amount of content that's out there, I, I begin to have some resistance. Well, but <laughs> say, and I use that ahead, term Andy. specifically. <laughs> I, I was going to say, but to your point, Jamie, this, even though there's no Jedi, there's no like visible force use, there's really no space battles. Doesn't this feel like the most Star Wars thing we've had come out of Disney in years? Yeah, yeah it really does. Because you does. can get so much more into the characters right. and more into the story when there's not these you know, superheroes that can come out and save the day. Well, and I think it's based on the reliance of the storylines on the, the Jedi. It's all a writing thing. Back to Tony and Dan Gilroy. Yeah, it is. Right? Well, the problem with Jedi, and I think what I want to... Jamie, I think I agree with you, but I want to modify it and, and use a metaphor. It's like the color black is just the absence of any other color. 
So if you have Jedi to contextualize the Star Wars universe, these superheroes where you can write in that Rey has force healing powers because she needed to have force healing powers for the final movie. And you can write in that Jedi have super speed and super jump abilities and only use it once in the entire Skywalker <laughs> saga. So Jedi are <laughs> these kind of <laughs> Jedi are these kind of get out of jail free cards that can change the story at whim. And while Jedi are badass and and we have understood the the underlying code that Jedi live by more and more over these animated shows and and, and especially Clone Wars. I think what your comment is saying is the Jedi being removed from any pieces of Star Wars content gives us more of a grounded, real experience. And that's definitely true. And when you combine that mm-hmm. with a writing team like Tony Gilroy, and you would combine that with the production team who's bringing back all this Imperial equipment that the actors are playing with, I think that makes for a beautiful matrimony. And, and maybe that's why it's so successful, even without laser swords and superheroes. So I, I agree with you. Chris, I, I, that was beautiful. Can I hire you in my real life to just translate my thoughts into a more coherent and beautiful statement? <laughs> sure, man. I, I mean, you, you put the idea in our head. I just fleshed it out. Because I, I don't necessarily just agree with that full statement because Jedi are awesome. But And, and te- technically, right. technically, Rogue One has a, a Jedi. I, it's a Sith, you know, by this time and, you know... That's true. And that was the coolest shot of all of Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> was spoilers for Rogue One. Yeah. That was I guess badass. we should say spoilers for Rogue One, but if you haven't seen Rogue One, why are you watching Andor? So I'm now I'm now gonna go on a ten minute monologue about Chirrut Imway and his his effect on the Star Wars Yo, galaxy. That was um dope. actually no, we can get back to I Andor. love Chirrut. Yeah. We need Let's to. get back to Narkina five because my goodness. I wish I hadn't seen this online before I watched the show, but Andy Serkis showing up um, as Keo yes. Loy, the floor yes. manager of, of Narkina, of the, you know, whatever floor that Keefe is stationed in. My God, if it wasn't for Skarsgård, this would be the greatest acting performance in the history of Star Wars. It's another hot take. Yeah, that is a wow. hot take. Yeah, he absolutely crushed that role as Kino Loy, and it was just exciting to see Andy Serkis on screen because any role that he takes on, he just he puts fully, himself into oh it. fully sends it. He's so yeah, good. like he does not hold back as an actor, and just everything he commits himself to, whether it's got him, got him, or it's or it's uh, <laughs> he's he's connecting all of the worlds of hoopla together the entire hoopla yeah. universe is connected through andy circus <laughs> yeah from is. Gollum to uh that's true claw in the yeah, he's true. Yep. i don't know who i want to ha- get an emmy for a supporting actor more oh. between andy circus and stellan skarsgård because those are two of the best casting choices I've seen in a fantasy property in, oh a, in a long, You're long time. Kidding. You're not kidding. You can't discredit Genevieve O'Reilly also oh, as Mon She was also absolutely. an unbelievable Oh, you can't discredit well. anyone in this show. It's perfect. Uh, honestly, no, Deidre, Deidre as a villain, like she has been wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Deidre. Oh, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, we got so much to talk about. Refocus on... Andor in prison here and watching that scene for the first time where he walks in and they're like, these are our shock rods. The floors are made of tungsten. If you do your job and keep your head down, you'll never have to remember that or whatever they say. I, I mean, so defeating to walk in. It, it, it's, it's imperial architecture, this prison. And so like you're kind of used to like 
long hallways, bright lights, white paint, all that stuff. But then you throw in the element of the floors and it obviously becomes a huge plot point. Watching that, I was crushed. I was like, oh my God. God, I I don't want to go to prison, but I definitely don't want to go to this prison. Right. <laughs> Shocking. And it's it's also the just the fear that all of these inmates have of their kind of, you know, imperial imperial overlords. They're not they're ever present even though they're not right next to him. Right. And it's um, that that voice that comes over the speaker and is very almost robotic. On program. Just terrifying. <laughs> uh, and that's their entire existence. You know, it goes, they go through this cycle every day, their shift. Um, And it's also very reminiscent of George Lucas's, you know, first movie, uh, THX 1138. The the shots, that is so beautiful. And I love that Tony Gilroy hearkened back to kind of early George, George Lucas. That was pretty cool. There's our Jedi historian there. I have no idea what you're talking about, but... I would love to oh, learn more. It was his first movie before American Graffiti. It was oh. like it was more like a pilot project, I guess, but it was a full movie. It was produced by uh, um, Francis Ford Coppola as well, which is kind of a, a cool oh. thing. He, uh, uh, George, oh, like, wow. just really quick, he created kind of a short film back when he was in college, uh, and then actually got the full movie produced right right thereafter, uh, right before American Graffiti. And right around the same time that he penned this first Star Wars script. So so tune in next week for THX 1522 Hoopla <laughs> as we go back to 1943 and watch a movie. <laughs> oh, that's almost right. <laughs> Did I get any of those things right? <laughs> Let's get back to Andor because yes, the relationship between Andor and Kino is really interesting in this three episode arc here. When we start out, Kino is just going about his business, right? He's like, we're stuck in this prison. Just keep your head down, do your thing. It sucks, but you'll get out of here eventually. Don't make a fuss, just do your thing. And this is when Cassian starts to really, I think this is some of the first time that we see him like actively going to go against authority as opposed to just going his own way trying to get around things this is the first time he wants to actually stand up and fight directly against the oppressors and we see him try to change kino's mind about it over the first couple episodes i think that's because he can't run anymore not to get like hey that's a good point too deep and stuff but (laughs) yeah i mean he he's always been running right the very first scene is him running away from two guards and and when he truly can't run anymore he ends up taking action so He's a runner, not a fighter, but he can be a fighter. And what happens when you entrap a runner? They got to break free, you know? They got to break free. And uh, Jamie, you were talking about how we sort of see this progression of Kino Loy's character over these three episodes. I know he's he's so committed on the concept of being set free after after serving your sentence. It's, you know, being liberated after doing your time. When we learn of the incident that happened down on Sector 2-5, um, and how the whole you know sector got fried, and that's revealed by the medical examiner that comes up to you know relieve Olaf of of his pain from from mm-hmm. the stroke that he's endured. That's when the switch sort of flips in his mind about everything, and it's interesting to see that progression as well. And he's finally pushed to the edge when Keith you know brings up the fact that we're doing this tomorrow, and he's like, "What the fuck yeah. has happened in the past like twenty four hours?" But it, but it was kind of a full arc where, yes, he was definitely, he was by the book. He's keeping his men in line. But the reason he was keeping his men in line is because he felt for them like he wanted them to get out too. 
He talks right. about with Olaf, he keeps right. repeating over and over again. I think 27 days. He only has 27 days. And you just, uh, and he says that to the, the examiner over and over again. Yeah. And then when he realizes, wait, that's not real. Everything that he's built kind of in his, his space around him with his men that he's like, that all crumbles. And he realizes we have to do something now. Like I've been doing this all wrong the whole time. But what a just an amazing arc that then ends like with him talking to all of the prison mates. Oh, yeah, that monologue yeah. was just beautiful. And it, it was pushed mm-hmm. by Cassian. Like Cassian Diego Luna is such a good actor. Oh, that he's can, so like, great. He, he's getting the right. most out of even Andy Serkis in that moment. Yes. Um, it just worked yeah. really well. It was well. excellent chemistry just for everyone. Great chemistry. I do like in that monologue how Kino quotes directly back to Keith what he said the previous day. Mm. I would rather die fighting against them than die giving them what they want. And Kino's able to use that idea to inspire the entire facility, all the inmates in this entire facility to rise up and have their one way out. Yep. One way out. One, uh, way <laughs> one way out. One that was way out. That's such a out. good scene. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the only way out is not an option for Kino, though. Yeah. I oh. can't swim. Right. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking moment as well. Yeah. I need, I need resolution there. The finale better give us something. <laughs> I don't think you're going to want the, revolu- the resolution to Kino being stuck on Narkina 5. <laughs> I think nothing good's coming out of that. <laughs> I like to believe that. He escapes and becomes Snoke. (laughs) Theory music. There's a fan theory about that right now. Yeah. Okay, let's actually. No, that that would be that That would would be be insane. But uh, I like to actually believe he took one of the mattresses from one of the cells and just yeeted it out into the water and then jumped and then you know kicked his way to shore or just like that's what i steal one of the transport vehicles that the guards use i mean the guards have to get there somehow right he'll find a way out yeah yeah Yeah, he'll figure it out exactly but that was another beautiful moment because his whole thing like andy was saying a minute ago was he was always trying to help his crew of inmates you know he wanted to he was hard on them so that they would survive they would make it through their punishment and be released to freedom and he knew that after he found out that there was only one way out he knew that he wasn't going to make it out yeah. But he still the had to inspire time. his men to make it out. And he did. That reminds right. me of a, a lar- larger point here. What do you guys think of this? We've reviewed a show in the Hobbit Rings of Power series. Hobbit Hoopla discussed a prequel show in the sense that many of the characters we knew in this show, we knew were going to exist and make it through the entirety of Rings of Power. You might refer to that as plot armor. There's no way they can die because canonically they can't. Andor is feels a little different. First of all, Andor is the only character we know from previous, until we get cameos and things like that, but from previous Rogue right. One property that is in Rogue One and survives. And, and even then, I still feel like Andor is in danger a lot of the time. It, mm. It's an, an emotional attachment yeah. because this, this story is so character-driven. And we get that in a culmination right. of Andor finally does get out at the end of this prison arc, this prison breakout. But even one of our most beloved characters cannot find a way to fully gain freedom. I just, with Andor, I feel like Andor, even though we know he lives and has to for the future properties, 
I just feel like he's in danger all the time. And and that just another attributing to the writing. Theme. Right. You know, it kind of goes back to that. We and we use overuse this word, but stakes, right? Yeah. It, this show does feel like there's mm-hmm. actual stakes to the characters that they slowly over time build out. Even just like the five men at the the table, um, his table, they're making their parts. Oh yeah. Olaf and, and Melshi and all these different characters. I'm already dead. There's stakes with right. each one of those different characters because it's just such well done writing. Chris, you mentioned last uh, Hoopla episode. One thing that was sort of exciting for you was that with this arc sort of design that they've put into the the total plot line of the show is that they have to reintroduce characters essentially every every little story arc how did this line up for you comparatively to the story arc at from one through three and then four through six uh i think we go back to the word stakes and we can't overuse it but you have to hear it the stakes on the first arc were just, were so minimal yeah he's running from the cops but i don't think that was his first time taking a life as as grim as this new series is compared to some of our other star wars properties but right this the stakes are are, are higher now because he got imprisoned for what did he even do it was just the wrong place wrong time and didn't shut his mouth i mean I guess that happens years. in real life, He's doesn't just a it? Tourist. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, to get captured right. at just the right time to be given like what double the sentence? What does the judge lady say? Yeah, she's like, I think it was supposed to be six months, and then oh it was yeah, six yeah, years. you should have been caught last week. Last week <laughs> it was like, six months, something like that. Whatever. She was like, I'm just a tourist, <laughs> and she goes, Oh well, take it yeah. up with the emperor. <laughs> oh, does she say that? Oh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that interesting that it's the like, the storyline? has led to this moment where because of Aldani, the Empire is now after the rebellion. They over they overcorrect, which is what Luthen wants, which then cr- makes the Emperor push down these crazy authoritarian policies that then in turn put Cassian in jail for six years. Yeah. For doing nothing. Yeah. Well not for doing nothing. Yeah, let's Let's talk about Luthen's plan, because we get to learn a lot more about what Luthen and Mon Mothma are up to with their whole plan to start this rebellion. I guess the other two protected characters in this show, if you will, mm. kind of tying back to Chris's statement. Well, Luthen, before. definitely not protected. Mon Mothma de- is. He's in Rogue He's in Rogue One. Luthen is no? not. No. Luthen is not in Rogue One. We haven't seen Luthen before. He's no, a, new a new character, character. but Mon hmm. Mothma is definitely someone that obviously can't die. I think oh, Luthen yeah. is definitely on the way out in that in season two. But that, that's uh, that's a theory. Well, who, I mean, if we want to talk about yeah. monologues, I thought he was in Rogue One. Yeah, that Luthen monologue at the end of episode ten wow. when he says, "I sacrificed Ooh. everything to see a sunrise." Yeah. I will never set my yeah. eyes on exactly. Yeah, I mean, aside from that just being one of the greatest performances in the history of Star Wars, I'll say it again. That's right. Another (laughs) hot take. Another the greatest (laughs) performance in the history of Star Wars. Stellar Stellan. True. Classic. (laughs) I mean, I would agree. I I think that that monologue is the best monologue in all of Star Wars. I agree. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'll buy into that as well. We, I, we There's not many, many monologues, monologues but at the same time, <laughs> like the, the, I, what I thought was couple. so interesting. There's a few. Bellions are built on hope. You've got the emperor, the emperor's okay. monologue, okay. which is good enough. 
Good. Not that one. That's essentially a monologue. <laughs> it's attack on my life by the Jedi has left my body scarred. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jar Jar had a pretty dope monologue. I, I was thinking about one. the. Yeah. I was thinking about the Jar Jar monologue <laughs> where he gives the, the uh, gives Palpatine. Oh, hands over power. Yeah, all power. So the thing uh, I did love about Stellan Skarsgård in that moment is it's not like the way that he acts is not very over dramatic until the very end where it, when he says everything yeah like it's almost he he goes from this intense mumble to then kind of be a little bit more clear the only thing you see between like the shots here is is Luthen's face then it goes back to Lonnie seeing him like kind of crying yeah. and not knowing what to do and then you go back to Luthen and he's not like a deranged character but he's like thinking you can see in his eyes he's like thinking back upon his past and then strikes back he talks himself into it back to back to Lonnie um and then kind of just slowly it crescendos yes and that th there's two like that moment as well as when Kino Loy is providing his monologue both of those scenes they crescendo the music behind and it climaxes both of them in just beautiful ways with kind of the everything moment and then with Kino Loy is like you see kind of the wide shot looking out over the prison and uh, the imperial prison being mm -hmm. broken out uh, which is kind of symbolic as well mm -hmm. like just those two moments are just incredible and we have not seen something in star wars like that since disney took over both those monologues are the epitome of rebellion you think about stellan's luthan's ah. character there you think about building a sunrise that i might never set my own eyes on that that's that's building a future by rebelling now by taking action as soon as you recognize there's a problem and then on the other side in the prison you you recognize there's a problem, but you can't take action until you get this one moment. And that's what the rebellion is all about. It's one shot down a two meter wide with a uh, with a laser one opportunity with the laser cannon. Oh my god! Wait, is that what Everything Mon Mothma it's... stands for? Is Mon Mothma Eminem? <laughs> Holy oh my god! We figured it out. <laughs> the real slim senator. <laughs> is, is that going to be our transition? <laughs> That can't be because <laughs> I still have a point to make. Do, those those two monologues <laughs> okay, on, are on. rebellion incarnate. It's 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 one moment, one chance. It's who's gonna step up, who's gonna who's gonna lead us into this next life, this next future that we have. It's it's the stealing the Death Star plans, barely getting them onto the escape ship, barely getting away from uh, the rebellion, or barely getting away from the Empire. It's it's this one step up call to action moment, and both monologues exemplified that, and they were both just wonderful. How do you choose? How do you choose which monologue is is better overall, contextually? You can't. I, I think you just have to take both of them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna choose. <laughs> oh, you're gonna choose. <laughs> I'm going to choose Stellan Skarsgård's monologue, Skarsgård's okay. monologue, for the reason that basically Kino's speaking to the entire prison, but he he needs some additional support in order to get him through that speech, right? Whereas Stellan's character, it's just everything's on the line. He has mm -hmm. a, a top ISB Imperial officer speaking to him about trying to get out of this situation and how he's never put any risk for himself at all. and. He's he takes that almost offensively and he rebuttals in this just beautiful manner to just show that he's all in. He this. says, right, Jake, he says, 
I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make right. a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Right. And look, I, I loved I loved Kino Loy's monologue. I loved how he stepped up to the mic, <laughs> went up there and did his thing. But he needed a little push. And you know what? He he also needed a little push out into the water, and he didn't get that. So um, for for me, I I'm gonna pick Stellan, Stellar Stellan. Can we talk about just Luthen's character here? This has been building and building, kind of up to this moment of of his monologue to the to his kind of imperial informant. Starting out in episode seven, we're talking about the announcement, the announcement of the rebellion. Morality is a huge question in this show. Like, it's not just the rebels are good, the empire is evil. There's the classic, like, shades of gray in a, in a way where, yes, Luthen is doing all this, but at the same time, when Aldani took place, immediately after 134 Aldanians were put in prison by the empire, at the same time that Cassian did this great thing for the rebellion, Luthen is going to go and push to get him assassinated. It goes back to this interesting kind of morality question that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. Not really. And it kind of ends in this moment when he's talking about everything that he's given up. And then also we haven't even talked about uh, the moments with Saw Gerrera, which even expands oh, yeah. upon that. Like, what is a rebellion? It's yeah. a, these cells that are doing bad things for the hope of the future. And I think right. that ties really nicely into what Jamie said earlier in the sense that morality is in question because if you have Jedi, you have this good in the universe and they're fighting the evil. They're fighting the Sith. But when you remove that, you have these shades of, oh, rebellions are, are murdering and, and taking supplies from the empire in order to try and survive sure is that a bad thing it's like taking the bread or taking the medicine for your sick child and not paying for it like you got to do what you got to do so when you remove those superhero characters it becomes this gritty survival story and morality comes into question i think both those points tie in really together yeah and i was really impressed by the extent to which luthan had been planning this whole thing yeah like, he's building this rebellion but his initial plan is he needs to make everything worse before it can get better. Yeah. He needs right. the empire to start Very pressing their thumb down on the innocent people as hard as they can to build that pressure to force this rebellion to explode. And we start to see that happen with um, the ISB now stepping up their, their game, specifically with Dedra and Major Partagas as they start to like ramp up their their mission to find Cassie and to find these rebellious actors. What do we think about Dedra's torture tactics on mm. Bix? Ooh, yeah. Wow. So, well, prior to Bix, we first see the shot of Salmon Pack getting tortured and absolutely just demolished from what he'd just been put through. And we don't aren't really sure of what degree of torture he was exposed to, but Bix gets thrown into this and gets the option of revealing information to Deidre, to which she rightfully does not reveal any intel. And then Dr. Gorst goes and puts this headset on her and reveals this horrible cacophony oh. of alien species children. It's just this coral, just sort of grieving arrangement that is just so tortuous, torture words. There it is. Tortuous <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> um, and you just feel for her, you know, as she's going through this. And she looks after the fact, just absolutely broken. So when, I can't imagine when that, what that when sounds that like. When that torture scene 
started did you immediately think they were going to bring in an imperial torture like droid like the probe droid that we've seen and i uh, and yeah. then but they did it in such an interesting way where apparently the the creators did have a sound that they were going to place into the scene oh. but they they removed it because they thought it was too harrowing for the audience Whoa. Yeah, I mean, that'd, really? that'd be a tough call. Like, either they make the sound so horrible that it tortures the audience to listen to, or it's they a sound that we it. don't yeah. get tortured by, and then we don't feel the same thing. So, I think they nailed it by not letting Just, us hear we don't the sound. Know. We yeah. see that we hear it through her eyes, yeah. her her face, right? Um, and you could just imagine, like uh, the the audience in that moment, just imagines how terrible that must be especially once you see her i don't know if it's hours or days later she's still holding up a front like she's still doing what a good rebel does but it's just terrifying and as we've seen in like the newer star wars mind manipulation is a pretty commonplace form of torture whereas i guess in past features we've seen more of you know it's kind of like what you were alluding to andy was the probe droid or the medical mm-hmm. droid coming in with the a massive syringe just ready to to fucking douse yeah so it's interesting that they've sort of kept that parallel outside of a force context with andor jake i i heard actually that if you listened to that device the torture device uh it would just be thor uh, love and thunder the audio track playing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's actually it's actually the entire sound bit for that film and we can't go down that rabbit hole it's a very personally the god scene oh yeah Uh, what what, what would your if i was being tortured it would just be 30 minutes of jake talking (laughs) (laughs) so this podcast it's every podcast episode we've released but only jake's audio tracks Now that's an episode I want to listen to. Give that five stars. In fact, give it give it seven out of seven stars since we're talking oh, about yeah. this episode. No, I, I agree oh, that man. that scene was brutal. But yeah, Andy, you're right. Rebellion, Bix stands her ground for as long as she possibly can. Uh, but they do get some information out of her. Deidre is on the move in this arc. And Cyril has a little crush. Ooh, <laughs> he certainly stalker, does. He's a creep. Vibes yeah, he's a little Cyril, creep. Yeah, definite stalker vibes. I love this character because when we talk about this show being more human and more grounded as much as the Star Wars universe can, Cyril is possibly the most relatable character to any normal human being living on the planet Earth. I mean, gets gets shit from his mom. Pardon my French. <laughs> Maybe for you. Well, I mean, come on. No, this is these are all very human things. You get fired from your job for doing something wrong. You got to move back in with your mom. She's giving you shit to go find a new job. I mean, I'm not saying like everyone has gone through that exact thing. I'm just saying like, oh, how human. There are people fighting with laser swords and learning how to move things with their mind and and this dude just can't get keep a job. Yeah. No, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. Like he was a very interesting character and I was starting to like him honestly cuz he didn't really do anything wrong right yeah, he was I like trying him. to solve the murder of two of his officers shit went down it got bad he got fired for something that probably wasn't his fault you know he thought he was doing the right thing and got fired for it right had to move home with his mom gets some boring office job and I was like man th- I mean he's just trying to do his thing and the world keeps kicking him down and then he turned to a creepy stalker guy and I was like all right <laughs> you gotta calm down there Cyril <laughs> 
I can never have any redemption for the character just because of his like power hung- mm. hunger. Like the scene when in arc episodes one through three, when he tells his employees, let's go. I was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately I was turned off to him and he has no redemption be. in my eyes, but, but maybe he will. Maybe he will. You know, he's had blue milk for our third blue, blue milk sighting. <laughs> true. Uh, so, hey, blue milk watch. So maybe after he gets past this creepy sort of jerk phase, maybe we'll like him in season two. I don't know. What, what do you not. think about his rea- interactions with his mother, though? Oh, Just, hilarious. They are really funny, but also at the same time, she is also kind of a villain in some ways, where, like, she does not care about Cyril in any oh, fashion, yeah. at least how I take it. Like, she wants herself to move up, and it's interesting to see. You could, I often imagine, like, when I'm watching these scenes, I'm like, what was his childhood like? with her as his mother and he clearly ran away he got yeah. away um right. and now he had to come back because he's right. at this lowly moment something that i you wouldn't expect once again tony gilroy like a random storyline that i think is going to amount to something very big in our final few episodes where cyril is gonna what cyril's gonna get in back involved when we finally meet uncle harlem <laughs> <laughs> who is controlling everything from the background yeah, uncle exactly. harlow is palpatine <laughs> <laughs> uh, well all right quick round table does cyril make it to season two yes I think that's easily without question. He makes it to season two. I think so. I think he. I think he's going to be like one of Deidre's main people, like through the remainder of the series. Ah, okay. So like, you think he's going to get back it. on her good side? Oh yeah. Even okay. So a very creepy moment between the two of them. But she does. I mean, she says, "Get away from me," but she doesn't close it. Like their relationship is definitely not going to be closed. Like he's going to pop back up and she's going to use him in some way. So I think get what she wants. And that is definitely a possibility, but she did say, if right. I ever see you again, I'm going to lock you away <laughs> in a box. Yeah. But for some reason, I did, did you believe I have that, a complete though? agreement did with Jamie. Did you believe that? Moment, I agree though? with like, Andy. I didn't, yes. I didn't yes. believe it. No, I'm, I'm with Jamie. I, I oh, totally She would have walked away sooner if she didn't want to at least listen. The body language of her hitting his shoulder, I think, gives that all away. Yeah. I think it sends a different message. She might go back to Cyril if she gets knocked down. Right now, she's moving up right, through the ISB. Yeah. If something happens where she yep. gets like yes. fired or something, and then she tries to continue on her mission, well, that's why I'm asking. At that point, Cyril maybe make she'll, it to season two. Yeah. So you're thinking, Cyril. so you're predicting yes. that will happen. She'll get knocked down a peg or five. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I I do think Cyril will will stick around. Yeah, I agree. But I'm gonna give you theory music for that, Jim, because I I like where you're headed with oh, that. Oh, thank doom, you. Doom, doom. Yeah, so let's do some more theory music because we've got two episodes left of Andor Season 1. we got to talk about two things. First of all, Mon Mothma. we got to talk about Eminem. Okay. But before we jump over to Mon Mothma... You almost lost yourself. Before we jump over to Mon Mothma, there's one, there's one character we haven't mentioned in the ISB circle. Admiral Wolf Ularen. What an entrance. He's the, the, oh, the leader yeah. of... He's Major Partagaz's boss. And he's a staple right. in a lot of our animated uh, Star Wars television. Yep, um, yep. If you watched Clone Wars, he was an officer mm-hmm. in the Republic Navy on working on Anakin's cruiser. He's made oh. appearances in 
uh, Star Wars Rebels with Grand Admiral Thrawn, and he was talking about Palpatine. He's made his way up the Imperial ranks, starting out as kind of this good Republic character, which is a really interesting turn. And you'll actually see him in A New Hope sitting next to Tarkin at that round table where Vader starts to choke one of the Imperial officers. So release. It, oh, no it way. Was, I was very happy to see him in live action, which is just one of those things the story group has been doing and Dave Filoni kind of adding in just some of these characters. He's kind of the leader of the ISB at this point, and he declares, you know, we're the leaders. Don't worry about the, the Navy or the Army. Uh, they'll do what you want. Palpatine has put us at the forefront. For sure. Now back to losing ourselves, Mon Mothma, <laughs> Eminem. What a what a situation and a conundrum that she's gotten herself yeah. into, um, and is trying to climb her way out of. You know, having a way to cover up a four hundred thousand credit transaction is no easy feat. And um, you know, she turns to her childhood boyfriend. We learned, but good friend. Hey. Um, Love Tay Colma. He's such a cool character. Yeah, Tay Colma. Turns to Tay Colma, and he recognizes that, even as a banker, that he has very limited options. And so they have to bring in uh, someone that's not not the most approachable of, of subjects when it comes to getting out of these circumstances. Who is? Who is? Is it Davo? Davo? Are you not going to finish that? <laughs> Davo. Davo. <laughs> yeah, Davo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping you guys were going to take over after I, I didn't, said I that. forgot his name. <laughs> to dive into that. I thought you just fell asleep halfway through your comment. <laughs> Jake, I, it, does, it does play into what we talked about earlier with what is the line? Like, what, what line are they? is the rebellion going to, to draw? Specifically with Mon Mothma, she's this good person. Will she give up her daughter to this criminal, yeah. you know elitist thug from her hometown just so she can pay off these debts that she needs for the rebellion we're seeing on her face when she's talking to luthan wait you did you did aldani you did this and he said the network's built we had to and she knows that she has to go beyond what she's doing now and it ends up being her daughter which is just a crushing thing for to watch right and something interesting that i literally just thought of as you were saying that is Mon Mothma is the only one that knows that this was orchestrated by Luthen. Outside of like the the original cast, Mon Mothma is the only one of the entire galaxy that knows that he is access behind this operation, um, specifically for the heist on Aldani. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Because the other rebel cells don't either. Right. Do you think that she would ever give him up, whether intentionally or accidentally? Or no, I, I mean they're they're the two heads of everything. They're the two heads of, of it all, right? Yeah. Like if they, if either one of them reveals the other, it's it's entirely Yeah, over. and something I was just thinking of while so, Andy was bringing up the point of marrying off her daughter to this rich yeah. guy from Trangilla. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> marrying off her daughter. Um, Shit. This, this rebellion and everyone who's involved with starting the rebellion has to sacrifice everything. We see yeah. Luthen have that whole monologue about how he sacrificed everything in his entire life. And up to this point, Mon Mothma hasn't really sacrificed too much. She's obviously living a life that is a lie and her marriage isn't great, but she hasn't sacrificed to the extent that Luthen has, for example. Right. So is her sacrifice going to be her daughter? Oh, her daughter, her yeah. family. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be um, because as, as Davo is leaving the room, he, he says this incredibly thought-provoking yeah. line 
That's the first untrue thing that you've said all all conversation about all her not considering the offer. Yeah, yeah. and she's just line. sitting there, just in absolute shock. I mean, you know, she's considering it because mm-hmm. she has to. That you know, everyone's put everything on the line for this, and she's she's no exception to that. Yeah, that wasn't a monologue, but that scene as a whole, the, it, it was all three of them talking, but really I think it was obviously the scene was between Mon and Davo uh, in, in its entirety. That was such a cool scene because Jamie's right. I, again, we go back to that word stakes, but also it's the sacrifice element. It's like she's willing to do a lot, but is she willing to do that? So we got to find that line. Do we think Davo comes back right. in this finale or maybe season two? Do we think it's an important enough character? Or do you think that's, is that closed off? Oh, he's... Oh, yeah, he'll be back. He, no, he's definitely coming back. He's definitely coming back, and this is why. Uh, we we learn that Mon Mothma got married at 15. Her daughter is yeah. 14. And so with the way they've set up this plot line, he has to remain at... Uh, Do you the, think... That, is that a, a, is that a storyline in season two, or is that something that we're going to see in the kind of final episodes here? Her making the final decision... That's a good question. Mm. Oh, now that's interesting. Good question. That's that's a good question. Let's. That is a good question. You want to turn that into uh, a guess, Andy, and, and I'll give you. The <laughs> well, right. I'm gonna, we'll add that into question music. <laughs> <laughs> question yeah. music. I, I'm going to give a good theory huh? here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give a good theory here, Jamie. I think that Davo is going to marry his son to Mon Mothma. Perrin is going to leave Mon. She will be at the lowliest point. She will be free of debts. And at that point is when she connects the rebellion, makes the announcement, and leaves the Imperial Senate. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now that to him. is a good theory like there. I like that. Ooh, I like that. One in season two. I like that, that can't, They can't do that in the final episode. Are we more worried <laughs> about right. Mon's daughter or... Mon's cousin. I thought that was a great reveal too. Ooh. That was a fun little reveal, wasn't it? Yeah. Vel is Mon's cousin. Now, do we think that it's real? The relationship is real? Hmm? Do you think they're actually cousins or do you think they just know each other but they're masquerading as cousins? Oh, I think they're definitely cousins. Okay. Yeah. No. That was a fun little reveal. Yeah. No, I I definitely think they are too. And we actually didn't even yeah. we didn't mention uh, the conversation between Vel and Cinta when she said Cinta said oh, uh, yeah. when she's on Ferrix she says uh, she was asked what her kind of backstory would be and she said before we knew that Vel was Mon's cousin she said a rich girl trying to run away from her family yes yeah. right right that's kind of just a cool connect like they were foreshadowing that Vel yeah. was actually a part Very. of the fam- Mothma family. Of noble status, right. Very right. cool. Yeah, so now Vel's, uh, Vel has been tasked with assassinating Cassian. That's uh, what Luthen's assistant has, they met up in secret to tell Vel that Cassian is out there and he needs to be taken care of because he's the only other loose thread who knows who Luthen is. Before we wrap up the episode, let's go around and what do we think is going to happen in the finale? Do we think that... Vel is going to mm. find Cassian, for example. Do we have any other ideas as to how this first season of Andor is going to end? Who's got a fun theory for mm. us? Ooh, I, I have one theory Andrew here. Andrew looks rearing and ready to go. And it's all around Saw Gerrera, one of my favorite yes. Disney-era Star Wars characters. Saw was talking with Luthen, and he's, he's talking about the different rebel cells. And he mentions them all. He says, 
he talks about Anto Krieger. So, you know, we've, we didn't really touch on the Anto yes. Krieger storyline too much, but my thought is Saw is going to give in to Luthen and try and start connecting this network, and it is going to fail like in, in devastating fashion uh, for the Rebellion. Um, and real quick, before you comment to that, I just wanted to mention, he talks about these different rebel cells, and I just wanted to mention them on the podcast really quick. He says, Anto Krieger is a separatist. Maya Pei is a neo-Republican, so like someone that liked the Republic. The Gorman Front, and the Gormans were the people that Mothma keeps trying to help. The Partisan Alliance, the Sectorists, Human Cultists, and Galaxy Partitionists. I don't know who any of those different cells are, <laughs> but I... Think of all the content that we yeah. can get. Content, that content, point. content. <laughs> Seven new yeah. Star Wars shows coming out, one for each sect. Andy, I like that. I, you know, I, play, putting your eggs in the Saw Gerrera basket is safe because I don't think, look, they've got some real stars on this cast. You can't just make oh, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker put on oh all goodness. of that equipment just for that one seed. So I have a feeling he might be coming back. Right. I mean, this show's going to be charged with keeping all the Beatles on the payroll at the same time with, with so many good actors, actresses across the board. Someone, I think, is, is going to have to perish. Uh, if we're talking about what's going to happen in the finale, I, I think we will lose maybe one, maybe two more characters. Obviously, we can't touch anyone with plot armor. Luthen could be a strong... Maybe he finally gives that final sacrifice... I don't know. He's kind of been out of the last arc in the sense that obviously it's focused more on Andor now as as the show is supposed to be focusing on Andor. But I don't know how he would get into danger. It just seems like maybe he'd be a good guest to get into some more danger because now the network is finally growing. Maybe Mon does accidentally give him up in an effort to recover, you know, that 400K. I, I don't know. I think I think we're going to see a character that we really love to see through this first season meet their demise in the finale and my guess is luthan as as much as i don't want that Ooh, to happen and i do want stellar stellan to stick that around is a theory. hit it jake man that is i hope i'm wrong theory <laughs> i like what you just said about uh mon mothma giving up luthan that would be huge I, because we I'm know thinking... that luthan is, is I, not above I don't giving up other happen. people. Like if, right? If Luthen thinks it right. would lead to the best outcome for the rebellion, he'll give up anybody at the drop of a hat. Something lost in that right. beautiful monologue that he gives is that he's totally threatening Lonnie the entire time. Yeah. He's Poor like, Lon- I, oh. I have you now. You cannot leave. When you mention Lonnie there, I have a new theory for the finale. The death is going to be a tragic death of Lonnie. <laughs> and Luthen is going to be revealed as Axis leading into season Ooh. two. Oh, that's yes. so good. I, I like that. So I like the informant, that. the informant like is revealed nice. and is killed by the ISB, and Luthen is revealed as Axis. And we just have a, a year or two to wait to see My what God. happens. And I like that. And I'm going to add to it. There will be another. Skywalker. Another big win. <laughs> another big win for the Rebellion prior to the end of this season. Because this season needs to end with the, the Empire laying down their Iron mm. Fist. We need to go into season two with the Empire throwing everything at crushing the Rebellion. 
Kind of like what Luthen yeah. wants. I think we need to get exactly Luthen's objective completed by the end of season one. Oh man, that's another great. Th- Ooh, these are some spicy theories. These are real good. And I you asked for it. I think along those lines, <laughs> with exact, I did ask for it, and you guys delivered. My God, um, along <laughs> those same lines that Jake was just mentioning, I think we're gonna get the yeah. The Empire is gonna lay down their fuck. What did you say? Lay down their fist. <laughs> Iron Iron fist. fist. I don't know how to talk anymore. (laughs) Lay down their Marvel's Iron Fist and Jessica Jones (laughs) and Daredevil and the Punisher. They're all going to show up episode 12. See us here on Hero Hoopla. It's going to be crazy. Um, No, go on. I'll add a, a little theory here as well. I think that Vel is going to catch up with Cassian. And I think this is crazy. I think that they're also going to meet with Luthen at the same oh. time. Oh. Whoa. And I think Cassian is going to be the one to kill oh. Luthen oh. in the season oh. finale. Oh. That would be interesting. Oh. That would be oh. interesting. Yeah. Talk about a tortured character and not Bix. Oh man. oh, man. Honestly, that seems like some Tony Gilroy writing. I mean, yeah. again, yeah. we've... That would be wild. Rogue One, that and would be wild. we we know it's a a tragic story in the end. We know it's something where the characters of Rogue One are doing this ultimate sacrifice, and we talk about the word sacrifice. They're they're not going to make it off the yeah. planet at the very end. They got the Death Star plans out, but at a certain point during that heist mission, they knew it was over for them. So if Cassian gets turned to that, oh man, that would be brutal. But it's a tragic thing. Here's what I think. I think Cassian is going to see what Luthen had planned and see how strong the Empire is reacting to what the Rebellion is trying to do. And Cassian's just going to disagree with the method that Luthen is going about this Rebellion. Yeah. And Cassian's going to say, hey. Like killing yeah, him? You're making, you're making everything <laughs> worse for everybody. You're doing this wrong. And then, you know, a little disagreement, a little Cassian assassination. Cassassination, if you will, and then Mon Mothma <laughs> oh. will take over oh, as I will. the leader of the rebellion. That would be very. Right, interesting. I want that to happen just for you to be able to use Cassassination again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about any of the plot devices. And the death of Luthen by Cassian is actually via K two S O, who oh, makes his man. debut in the finale. Yes. <laughs> oh man, let's go. Oh, those are some great theories. Uh, and this was a great arc. Episode 7 plus the Narkina 5 arc, this four-episode series of Andor, incredible. Uh, as we end every episode of the Hoopla podcast, let's go around, give some final thoughts on this arc, and give it a classic Hoopla rating on a scale of 1 to Order 66. Andy, what do you think? So I've talked a lot about these four episodes here. So rather than giving you kind of overview of the thoughts, I'll leave you th- with this one parting connection point uh, that I saw during this uh, at the ending here. Nemec says, start climbing. Kino Loy says, start co- climbing. And K2SO in Rogue One says, start Whoa. climbing. Tony Realroy is putting a connection between each of these different characters Every time the character is saying that to Cassian. I love mm. the writing of this series. 
I'm going to give this one a 60 out of 66. Hoopla. That is is big. Hoopla. Hoopla. I love it. Um, One thing that that did just remind me of real quick is the manifesto that Nemec had given to Cassian. I thought initially that that was just lost. I thought when Cassian got arrested that he would have lost it, but he stored all of his stuff in that like hotel room. So I think we're going to still get that manifesto back at some point, which is nice. Ah. I can't wait to see him reading it and like. (laughs) I wonder if that becomes something more important. Like if it's, I don't know, maybe if it's like the Reynolds pamphlet and it gets passed around (laughs) and people like learn new information (laughs) on a personal level and then it sparks a rebellion. I don't know. I'm not sure. Theory music. um, Um, Let's move over to Chris. Yeah. No, don't give me theory music for that one. <laughs> Chris, what do you think about this one? <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I said at the top of the episode here that I think this might be my favorite Star Wars show. Clone Wars and, and what Dave Filoni has done to the animated section of Star Wars is unparalleled. It's not only some of the best Star Wars content we've gotten in, in that Clone Wars series, but especially that episode or that season seven where they came back a couple years later and finished off that Clone Wars arc. It's just some of the best animation in general that we've ever seen from a Disney property. When we're talking about Andor and live action and, and, and replicating this, this past four episodes, seven through 10, it, it's, it's unparalleled what they've been able to do. Mando has not done this, has not gripped me like this, as cool as Mandalorian is. There's just no live action that compares for me to Rogue One, and and it's just now coming over into Andor. Everyone's top of their game, again, with the acting. I think all the symbolism with the Empire and and how you can really feel claustrophobic as an audience member, watching them go into this prison and watching Mon Mothma being tracked down, you know, ever so more by the Empire and, and the Emperor on Coruscant. So the, the, the realism is huge here for the Star Wars universe. I love this so, so much. It's a 61 out of Order 66 oh, for me. Hoopla. I, had, wow. I, had to beat An- hoopla. I had to beat Andrew, but I am absolutely adoring love Andor. It. Beautiful. Uh, Jake, what about you? I greatly enjoyed this arc. Um, there are a few things in there that, you know, we talked a little bit about episode seven. I wish we had touched a little bit more on it. You know, two things. We just hit on it at the end of our episode here. We saw a K2SO unit. I was hoping that was the one that we would, <laughs> you know, eventually see teaming up with, with Andor, but apparently not. Uh, but that was that was a nice Hold little... On. Little Easter we know that there. it's not the same well, not K2. Exactly. How do we know? He does have to reprogram one. Yeah. Maybe he sees him. Oh, that's true. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the one on Neomos. Yeah. Um, the second uh, thing that I enjoyed in that episode was uh, Deidre's interpretation of the heist yeah. being an announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so cool. rather than rather than just uh, you know an infiltration, and I thought that was really cool and unique. Um, and beyond that, this arc for me was was pretty exciting. We got, uh, you know, Casa de Papel in our four through six and seven through ten. We got Prison Break, <laughs> so that was fun to see. <laughs> um, it is interesting though that they have all these different sort of like established plot lines all condensed into a short time frame, and it is fun and enjoyable to meet all these new characters and see again stakes, as Andy keeps putting it. Um, but for me, I felt that four through six personally had a little bit better of an episode uh, or a little bit better of a series. Um, I felt that this this 
7 through 10 was great, but I was hoping to see a little bit more in terms of action. Not to say that the that the prison break was wasn't enough, but I felt that the whole heist was insane. So for me, I'm dropping this one down mm. a little bit. I'm dropping it to Whoa. 50. I'm dropping it to 50 out of 66. But I'm going to give it a bonus of plus seven <laughs> because this episode, because this series is we about ruined seven. Our so I'm going to give it a total. <laughs> so I'm going to give this a 57 out of 66. Perfect. Hoopla! It's an arbitrary rating scale, Hoopla. so why not approach it with an arbitrary mindset? I love it. This was a great arc. This is my favorite arc so far of the series. Um, incredible acting, incredible storytelling, incredible writing. Uh, super, super excited for the finale. So if you're liking the show so far, share it with all your friends, because I don't think enough people are out there in the world watching Andor. There's been so many good shows right. on TV recently with House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power coming out at the same time that I think Andor has kind of uh, been missed by a lot of people. So The White Lotus on HBO. Exactly. We got... We got too many shows. Yellowstone. So tell all your friends about Andor because we need to get everybody in the world watching yeah. Andor. And watching Hoopla. You got to come to the Hoopla. <laughs> if you're watching Andor, hoopla. you got to come Listening to the hoopla. hoopla. So yeah, tweet at us at all of our social media accounts at Holocron Hoopla and join the Hoopla. Before we end the episode, let's throw it over to our favorite droid, Chris, for the meme of the week. Our meme of the week is sticking with social media. This quote from Star Wars comes from this comes from Natalie Portman in the third episode of the Skywalker saga. So this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. We saw Twitter be taken over uh, by Mr. Elon Musk a couple weeks ago, but now Twitter seems to be on the fritz, and people were giving their uh, kind of last sentiments. As Liberty died and Twitter was being <laughs> taken down. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. So be sure to follow us at Hoopla Podcast on Twitter, uh, at Holocron Hoopla on Twitter as well. But uh, yeah, Twitter was a, an interesting space over the last couple of days. And just days. in case Twitter and, does uh, die, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and check out our link tree, linktr.ee forward slash Hoopla Podcast Network. Perfect. Fantastic episode, fantastic arc of episodes. Tune in next week for the finale. We got episodes 11 and 12 of Andor coming out. It's bound to be an incredible end to season one of Andor. So watch the show and then come check out what we have to say about it. See how many of our theories are going to be proven correct over the next week. And to close out the episode here, we have the moment of highest hoopla, the quote of the episode. What do we have this week, Andy? As Luthen said, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Oh, yeah. It was first ever. THX technology was first ever used in empire wow and does that stand for total hoopla extreme <laughs> <laughs>